Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Spirit, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Booster Digital Displays, revolutionize your game day experience. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper, Sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. I think we've got a very special guest today, Cassidy Lickman. Cassidy is the founder of an organization called PATH, which uh, we're gonna talk about quite a bit. Uh, but she has quite a background herself. Uh, she was a incredible athlete, a two-time All-American at Stanford, also an academic All-American. So uh, she hit it out of the park in the, both areas. Uh, she played on the uh, U.S. national volleyball team. She also played professionally around the world. And uh, as I said, now her energies and efforts are going into uh, this organization called PATH. Cassidy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, um, as you, as we talked about, you know, it's a busy time for everybody, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, I gave a little bit, just a, a very little bit of your background, but we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So, you know, share a little bit. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And, and maybe talk a little bit about that path that led to becoming a professional volleyball player. Sure. Uh, I grew up in, mostly in San Diego, California. Uh, went to Francis Parker for middle school and high school, and then um, went to Stanford for, for college uh, and, and played there for four years. And so I had grown up playing volleyball kind of my whole my whole childhood um, and lots of other sports, too, and, and even other sports through middle school and high school. But volleyball was always my first love and um, ended up getting recruited and getting a scholarship to go to Stanford. You know, I, as I was preparing for this episode, you know, I blew it. Um, uh, a very good friend of mine is John Morrison, uh, mm -hmm. who was the head football coach for many years. Now his son uh, just was a coach. Were you there during John's time? Yes, uh, I was. And I think his son, Matt, was my brother's class, which was two years ahead of me. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's crazy the connections uh, in this world. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, John and I, uh, coached together on a couple of uh, all-star teams that we took uh, high school football players over to England. So uh, anyway, um, so again, um, competing at that high level collegiately um, at a pretty prestigious academic school, Stanford, and also achieving All-American status, you know, can you share maybe a couple of uh, secrets to success? You know, how'd you manage to be able to compete at such a high level and also knock it out of the park in the classroom? 
Yeah, I think I felt like they came in pre really prepared from high school. Um, you know, we were a fairly academic school at that level too, but having, you know, playing high school sports, playing club sports, sometimes at the same time, um, you know, having to go from high school softball practice to club volleyball practice. And um, I felt like I, I got used to being able to manage my time well and um, take advantage of, of the gaps in the day that I, that I did have a few minutes, you know, during a free period or during lunch when I needed to get something done. I thought that served me really well once I went to college. Um, when you don't have that schedule of, you know, I get up and I go to school for, you know, these hours of the day, and then I go home and do my homework and, and all of that in college, you know, it's, it's class for an hour here, and then you have 45 minutes off, and then you have to go to, to training, the training room for a while, and then you have, you know, an hour till practice. And so really making sure that when I did have those moments that I knew what I had to get done, you know, I need to read these 20 pages, or I need to you know, write a page of my essay that's due next week. And so I thought I was well prepared for that coming out of high school um, to just make sure I was using my time as effectively as possible. No, absolutely. I mean, time management, uh, key to success in just about any uh, profession you uh, would choose. Uh, tell our listeners a little bit about um, that uh, pro period, you know, uh, playing professional volleyball overseas, as well as representing the United States on the national team. Um, you know, what was that like? Yeah, you know, playing overseas is, it's, it's a trip. You go to a team where, you know, most of your teammates might not speak the same language as you, and the head coach might not speak the same language as you. Um, so you really rely on just kind of your understanding of the game and, and that being the universal language. Um, but you're dealing with a lot of kind of you know, changes and shifts to culture and, and everything else on top of being an athlete and learning a new system and um, just playing the game. And so it's a, it's a really interesting life um, where you learn a lot very quickly uh, about the world and your sport and, and everything else. Um, but, you know, getting paid to play volleyball was a pretty good deal, I thought. Um, and then playing for the national team, that was the real dream, you know, from the time I was growing up. And so, you know, I, I went to that, um, you know, pretty much just out of college and played there for five years. And, uh, you know, every it's, it's everything that you want it to be, you know, when you walk out into a court wearing red, white, and blue, and you look up at a scoreboard and you, you see USA versus China or USA versus Brazil. And it always just struck me kind of the scope of that. Like what there's not, there's very few things that happen at that level on that scale in this world. And so to get to go out and represent a whole country of people, and to play against, you know, the very best in the world and to play the sport at the highest level, you know, for somebody just who grew up loving the game, I think that was the most exciting thing for me, just to, how can I experience this thing at the very highest level that it's, that it's being played? Uh, absolutely. I could listen to those stories, you know, truly all day long. You know, when I was in uh, junior high and high school back in the 70s, 100 years ago, I mean, I just vividly remember, you know, the 72 Olympics and even as a younger kid, uh, the wide world of sports on Saturday, they'd have the USA versus Russia track meets and things like that. And then, you know, as a collegiate, um, as a very uh, average collegiate athlete myself, uh, uh, 76 Olympics and, and just all that. So just really, really uh, admire, you know, folks like you that you know, were able to succeed at that level. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what you're doing now, but before we go there, uh, in our world of athletics and, and leadership and coaching, we always talk about the importance of mentoring. And I'm curious, you know, who were some of your, your mentors 
growing up, you know, family members or teachers or coaches, or maybe people that you've worked with. Uh, the expression that I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head when I'm talking to a coach or a kid. So uh, whose voice do you still hear? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great way to put it because I definitely have some of those. Um, <clears throat> the first ones that come to mind, you know, one of my one of my coaches, um, a club coach that I played for for three years um, when I was in high school and really, really took me from, you know, when you're a young player and you're just kind of getting good at the game to the point where you you're actually good and you really understand the decisions that you're making within the game. I think that's a big shift. And I felt like she was, you know, a big part of that. Her name's uh, Kara Haynes and she had played collegiately. She had also played for the national team for a while. And so I think to have somebody who had gone down the path that I wanted to go on and who understood what that took, um, both from, you know, an effort perspective, but also just, again, in the understanding of the game. Um, I think that was, that was really helpful for me and just um, figuring out kind of who I was as, as a, a more adult player, as opposed to, you know, a, a kid player. Um, and then I think, you know, a, a few coaches from my high school program, uh, John Herman and, and Eric Sato. Um, Eric Sato is my head coach, and he really emphasized, um, you know, we were not a big team, we're not a physical team. And that's, once I got to the next level, I was not a biz, bigger physical player. So I think the fact that he emphasized those skills, you know, the scrappiness and the the ball control. Um, I think that had a, had a big effect on my game as I continued on, you know, not being somebody who could just rely on my athleticism. Um, and then John Herman, who's still at Francis Parker is just one of those kind of gurus who sets the tone and the culture, um, for an organization. And so he was influential from, you know, middle school to high school on, and then my collegiate coaches, um, who, again, I think took me that next level to how I was thinking about the game. And, um, you know, my, my head coach in college, John Gunning, he, he really appreciates, you know, a mutual collaborative discussion about, about volleyball. And so it wasn't just, Hey, I'm going to tell you what to do, but I'm going to ask you, you know, why you did that or why you think it should work that way. And sometimes as a player, that's frustrating. You just want the answer. <laughs> like tell me how to do it better. Um, but it really developed, I think, in my mind, a way to think about the game for myself. And as you're going on, you know, professionally, the national team, it's a really important skill and just in life to, go, to be able to evaluate yourself and um, and see what you need to get better at. Um, but to be able to have your own kind of thought process around what you're doing and, and how to improve. Uh, I, I just, again, I just love to hear those stories of the people that impacted our guests. Uh, and it's a great reminder for all of us that we didn't get here by ourselves. You know, we had people that were pushing us. Um, you talked about your college coach and um, how he uh, collaborated with you. And I, I just, you know, it sounds like a setup, but it's not. Uh, just last week, I was watching one of your videos on your website, uh, the Steve Kerr one, which I, I love, Steve, uh, where he talked about, you know, collaboration and care and responsibility. Uh, just such a great resource. And, and so I'm going to use that as kind of a springboard. Uh, you also, uh, I've, I've enjoyed, you know, looking at those videos and, and listeners, we're going to talk about how you can find those videos too. But uh, the very first one I looked at was yours about uh, your lens. And just maybe share with the listeners a little bit that that story, and we'll use that as kind of a lead into path and all the resources that you offer. So talk about uh, 
that understanding your lens. Yeah, I think it's such a critical thing. And I, I learned more about it as I went all over the world to play volleyball. Um, and again, you know, you're you're amidst all these different cultures and people doing things in different ways. And often I think the immediate reaction to somebody who does something differently than you do is just kind of like, oh, that's that seems wrong. Or like, why are they doing it that way? And so the story that I'm talking about in that video is being um, playing in China where uh, it's it's not considered rude to, to slurp your food. Um, and they have, you know, just a lot of different uh, ideas around kind of table manners and, and, and just how they how they eat as as a family or as a team or whatever. And so I'm watching all my teammates just kind of, you know, slurp their food and thinking, God, that's so rude. Like why? And then I realized, well, it's not rude here. That's they didn't grow up. I grew up learning that that was rude. And so I have this lens on me that says that's bad manners. And they grew up being taught something else. And so they're sitting here thinking that this is good manners. This is totally fine. And they're not wrong and I'm not right. It's just that we grew up learning different things. And so we're seeing this through a different lens. And so I think it's an important skill, you know, whether or not we're in different countries, but even as we're on the same team or we're just around people in our own areas, think instead of, oh, they're doing that wrong, just why might they think that's the right way to do it? And there's a lot of times where there's no kind of value judgment on it. It's just, they'd see it this way and I see it this way. And okay, we can just kind of accept that those are differences that we have. Um, and I learn more about that person and how they grew up in their background. Uh, if I consider those lenses, as opposed to just making a judgment on them um, as soon as I see something different than what, what I would expect. Yeah, again, I remember as I was watching that, I just loved how you applied that in a team setting where you know you see a teammate that's doing something. And as you just said, it's not right, wrong, good or bad, it's just different. But instead of you know, what we tend to do is you know, say, oh, you know, why are they doing it that way? Um, you know, try to approach them in a way that's gonna be beneficial to them and ultimately beneficial to the team. Just thought it was a great application. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, it's, it's so hard for us sometimes to, to be aware of our own kind of biases and, um, and backgrounds because it's the only lens we've ever seen through. And so, you know, a lot of what we talk about is can we, if we just become aware of those things, then I think we can interact better with, with anybody, but, you know, in this context, particularly the people around us who we're trying to work with towards a common goal. You know, um, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I probably should ask you this before we uh, came on the air, but uh, I was just thinking about another video of yours that I had watched, um, People Like Me. And uh, would you mind sharing that one a little bit with our listeners? Sure, yeah. Um, so I had gotten to college um, and my first real interaction with the academic side of campus, obviously I'd gone through recruiting and all of that and seen classes, but had been really involved in the athletic side. And so we were in preseason and I met with my academic advisor. Um, you know, there's a, there's a faculty member assigned to every student to advise them. And we were talking about what classes I was gonna take and whatnot. We got to the end of the meeting and she said, I've had people like you before. And I was like, tall people? Like, what, what does that mean exactly? She's hand, she hands me a slip of paper and she says, you know, athletes. And I look at the piece of, information on how to schedule tutoring and you know to give her the benefit of the doubt she probably had to give that piece of paper to every person who came in there but the framing of it was just this assumption to me 
like, oh, as an athlete, you're going to need help academically. Um, and I think, you know, in, the, in that video, I talked about just all of those assumptions that people are making about each other in day-to-day in -day life. And the fact that you don't have to take that on, you know, I don't, just because she assumes that I need help doesn't mean that I have to kind of take on the label of the dumb jock or whatever it is. Um, and so really kind of examining the stereotypes that are being applied to you. Um, so kind of, you know, the reverse of the situation in China where somebody's assuming something about me and I can say, that's not really who I am. Like I'm the one who gets to define that. And so, you know, in the end I thought, well, I don't actually need that tutoring. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but I have confidence in my academics and she can't take that away from me. Um, and so, you know, the end of the, that video is me saying, you know, I, you know, left that meeting and was like, okay, thank, thank you for your time. And then went off and, you know, graduated with two degrees because I felt like that's what people like me, um, did. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just an incredible, uh, uh, story and and again we're going to get to how you listeners can can uh, check these out and I love the thing that you also added in that video about the stories that get told and passed around and that uh, you know the it reminded me of a book where I read where we as we're processing things you know we cast people in roles and uh, you know your comment was those stories are all made up okay you know yeah, they, yeah. yeah exactly you know why there should be any link between, oh, you're an athlete and you're not good at school, or, um, you know, you look this way, so you like this kind of music, or like there's, all of those things are are just, like you, like I, like you said, like I said, are just made up, and so it's our choice whether or not, it's not a hard and fast rule, the way it sounds sometimes, the way it feels sometimes in our society, that we all get put in these kind of boxes, it's our choice whether or not to sit in that box, um, and our choice whether or not to put other people in those boxes. And so, you know, so much of the, the difficulties I think we have, you know, whether it's our confidence in ourselves or the way that we treat other people, so many of our difficulties come from just kind of assuming those boxes are in place as opposed to realizing that everybody is their own individual person and is gonna have their own strengths and weaknesses and things they do right and wrong um, and likes and dislikes and just realizing that the only way to know a person is to get to know that person. Yeah, like like any good athletic administrator, I can uh, steal from the very best people. So uh, yes, I've stolen uh, those phrases. Um, let's go ahead and talk about PATH. Um, if you go to the website, which you know we'll give in just a second, it talks about uh, it's a collection of I'm doing this from memory of uh, you know coaches and athletes that are trying to position uh, kids for success. So. Uh, that's me butchering, you know, your mission. Uh, tell our listeners, um, you know, what PATH is, how it got uh, created, and, you know, how they can become involved. Yeah, you know, it really was created as I thought about, you know, all of, all of the kids that you and your listeners are, are coaching and, and teaching. You know, what happens to them when they get to adulthood and what are they prepared for? Um, and, you know, we teach them math and science and, and how to hit a ball really well. And we all do believe that sports teach life skills, but how intentionally are we doing that? Are we preparing them for when they go to their first you know, workplace to be able to interact, like positively interact with the person next to them um, and to kind of have confidence in themselves as they step into that space. And I think those are the same skills that make them a good athlete when they're 16 years old. You know, how do you, how do you build a great kind of team culture, but do it really explicitly? 
And so we're really focused on, on skills that you may or may not, um, you know, think of when it comes to sports, things like empathy and, you know, self-empowerment and equity, which are big conversations right now and really big concepts that, that kids don't always um, know how to put into their day-to-day -day lives. You know, we can tell them to be confident uh, or to be kind or, you know, all of these things. And I think a lot of times kids don't know what that means, you know? And so when somebody comes into my gym um, or to, you know, onto your field, you, I don't just him say, here, go serve it, right? We break it down into the fundamentals. And so in that same way, we want to break down these kind of human skills that, you know, that I believe are going to make them successful later on in life into their fundamentals too. And so that's what we do on our website is get, you know, the, the best in sports from, you know, coaches and, and athletes who have had a lot of success to, you know, in the same way that I've been doing with the stories I've been telling to break down some of those big concepts into their kind of fundamental pieces through their own voice and experience. So it's engaging and the, and the kids are interested um, and the adults are interested. Um, but they're also kind of breaking down that lesson, like I just did in those in those two examples, um, into something that's, that kids can actually relate to. And then in the end, giving them kind of the actionable steps out of that. So how do I practice this skill or this thing that I've just that we've just been talking about in my own training today or my or my when I go to class tomorrow um, so that they're kind of implementing it in their own lives. What uh, and again all of this information is on the the website but um, what are some of the resources that are available? Well, let's go and talk about the videos first. Um, uh, I know you have a collection. And again, the, the people that are presenting these um, lessons, if you will, are the, the very best of the best. Uh, and you've got um, sections on, um, you know, empowerment, on uh, becoming a better teammate, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, some of the resources that are available. Yeah, so we have videos featuring, um, you know, everybody from Steve Kerr to Apollo Ono, you know, the de most decorated winter Olympian of all time, um, to, you know, professional WNBA players and softball players, you know, men, women, Paralympians, Olympians, you know, across the board, we want to have a diverse set of messengers because kids all resonate with, you know, different types of people. Um, and then we have uh, a variety of topics. So you can watch kind of a one-off video on our site, which could be anything from, um, you know, Steve Kerr talking about how he collaborates with his team and um, why, you know, selflessness is important to their team culture, uh, to, you know, legendary softball coach Sue Enquist talking about uh, self-talk and how you, you know, can, can become more confident, uh, to Kelsey Plum talking about body image and stereotypes that, that women often face. Um, so you can see kind of one-off videos there, or you can check out a playlist, which would give you, you know, four to six videos on a certain topic. So that could be um, building confidence, uh, identity, you know, how you're thinking about yourself, um, how, you, how we're thinking about other people, like you said, being a great teammate, which involves understanding that person as a human being, right? Um, and, you know, we're, we're constantly, I'm, I just recorded more yesterday, so we're constantly adding more to that site. But our, our real intent was, how do we make it as easy as possible for, for coaches mostly to use this. Our target audience is the kids, but we know that the adults in their lives are gonna be the ones who kind of help facilitate. And so we know that coaches don't have a lot of time because um, they do have to still teach them how to hit the ball, you know? And so we tried to make it so you can, you can use our videos and, and our content in 10 minutes, 
uh, once a week, maybe. So that's watching a two to four minute video. We know the kids' attention spans are not super long. So we try not to make it any longer than that. Um, and then we give a few discussion questions for each video. Um, so something to reflect on as a team. So they're actually getting the information. And then, like I said, a couple action items take away, just suggestions that they can use to, to train those skills. Um, and those are usually on the video. And then also, you know, on the website, there's a like a downloadable PDF guide um, if coaches want to use that too. Yeah, that was one of the things that uh, I, I really thought was useful and something that I've been, you know, presenting to our coaches. Um, and again, we've all come across that coach, maybe not you, but uh, uh, there are people out there that, you know, they have different gifts and some don't have that gift of being the, the great motivational slash teacher slash educator and being able to condense that into uh you know, a three to four minute lesson, uh, you see the kids, uh, you know, looking off into the field or whatever. And so what I really loved, one of the things that I really loved about the program is that um, the videos are short and you, and you say this right on your website, you watch it, you discuss it, uh, you apply it, and then you repeat it, you do it again, maybe with a different video. And uh, it just, really resonated with me and uh that's why we've been you know encouraging our coaches to to utilize this with their kids i have some coaches that just do this naturally and they're wonderful at it i also have some coaches they're great coaches they're great x and o's they love their kids and they do a great job but you know those little moments of instruction uh they struggle with and so i saw this as wow what a great tool so um uh, am, am I right? Am I, am I, uh, you know, close to what you're trying to accomplish with this? Yeah, perfect. That's exactly what we made it for because I mean, to their credit, coaches aren't trained to talk about all of these things, you know, like they didn't come up learning about how to, how to express all of that to their athletes. Often they came to coach because they loved the sport and maybe they had a good coach, you know, to begin with, but they don't, they don't necessarily know how to talk about all of these different topics or they haven't experienced it, or, you know, it's not part of their own background. You know, if Heinz Ward is talking about growing up, um, you know, black and Korean, like that's not something that I can speak to authentically. Like I can speak to a different, you know, part of, part of that life. But um, like we said, you know, diverse messengers help, but also, yeah, if you're not trying to talk about it, go ahead and let a Super Bowl MVP talk about it. And then you can just kind of lead the discussion off of it, which just makes it, it takes the burden off of coaches a lot to, to plan and articulate all of these lessons and go, Hey, we just packaged it all up for you. You can just press play and, and go from there. Oh, absolutely. Let's go and talk about that press play. Um, go ahead and share the website. And then uh, I'm hoping our listeners and you should want to reach out to Cassidy to pick her brain. Uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. So, well, first of all, I should mention that all of our content is free. So there's no kind of barrier to using it. Um, we're at pathsports.org, P-A-T-H sports.org. Um, you can check on there for all of our all of our current videos, and there'll be more coming soon. If you want to reach me, you can reach me at Cassidy at pathsports.org. Okay. So again, we'll do that one more time before we leave, but pathsports.org. Really encourage you to go there. Cassidy, uh, again, thank you so much for joining us, uh, but we're not quite done yet. Um, we're going to combine a couple of our features because of your, you know, unique situation here. Um, one of the things we like to do with the podcast uh, for our ADs and our coaches is to share what we call best practices. 
And I know coming from Francis Parker and obviously Stanford, you know, you have seen some best practices from a coaching AD perspective. Uh, but I'm also going to, you know, throw out our uh, ending segment, which is what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Uh, I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director or veteran AD, uh, but I'm only going to let you put three things, and for you, I might let you do four, uh, three things in their toolbox. Okay? These can be real things, these can be idea things, but what is going to go in Casty Lickman's athletic director toolbox that would help that new AD? Okay, <clears throat> I can combine these things. Okay, so I think the first thing is um, a, a willingness to learn. And so I'm going to include this in my best practices too. I thought this was maybe the most important thing. I'll give you an example from the national team. Our head coach, uh, Karch Karai, is the Michael Jordan of volleyball, you know, arguably the best player in the history of our sport. So it's kind of incredible to get to go play for him. And he, the first day he took over as the head coach, the, the quad leading up to, uh, to Rio, we were in 2013, and he came in day one of practice and said, rule number one of our gym is we're all learners, um, which maybe a cliche statement, but in that context is really important when you think that the people in this room, again, are maybe the best in the world at what they do, some of them. And when you learn, you know, all of your ideas know this, you get worse before you get better. And so you're asking the best in the world to commit to, you know, being willing to fail and make mistakes and to, to change their technique that's worked for them really well, because they think it's going to pay off in the long run. Um, and our team committed to that and it was huge for our culture. But the other important thing was he was, he, he always said, we are all learners and he finished it with starting with me and, you know, for the best in the world to say that, and then walk the walk, you know, he would, when I had individual meetings with him, he would always, end. we would talk, we were talking about me and what I need to get better at for the most part. We would always end with, and what can I do better? And, you know, a lot of times I was like, Karts, you're doing great. Uh, I don't have anything for it. But then sometimes I had, I had an answer. And I said, well, if we, I think if we framed this a little bit differently in practice. And the next day he would have changed it. Um, and so for him to model that behavior of what, what it looks like to be a great learner, um, I think really set the tone for the entire organization to be willing to do that. So that's the first thing I would ask of an AD is, is a willingness to learn. Um, the second, and I think it's a little bit the flip side of it, but um, I guess it's, it's have a reason for the things that you do. And so I say it's the flip side of that because I think there it takes a certain kind of confidence to lead. Like you have to have confidence in the vision that you set. And so I think that was the other part of Karch was that it, he was not asking out of insecurity what I need to do better. But out of that confidence of saying, I know what I'm doing and I know why I'm doing it, but, um, but I'm also willing to listen to another perspective. And so I think those two things are maybe the most important as I've grown up with coaches and, and I think any kind of person in leadership is to have that humility to ask what you can do better, but also, you know, have your vision. And, and I think what leads to confidence is, is having a reason for the things that you're doing, um, and so, you know, my, my college coach, like I said, we would have a lot of collaborative discussions around, around, you know, what we, the decisions he made and, and whatnot. Um, but I trusted 
that he had a reason for it. And if we had that discussion and it turned out the reason wasn't a good one or, or we decided that we disagree with it, then we would change it. But I trusted that he was at least making decisions having you know thought them through. And so I think as, as somebody who is under that leadership in an organization, I wanna have that trust in the person who's at the top that you're not just kind of making decisions because that's what you feel like on that given day or because that's how it's always been done but there's some thought that's gone into it. So, so I would say that. So that's be willing to learn, have a reason for the things that you do. Um, and then I guess, you know, my the other thing that John, my college coach always used to say is like rule number one, you have to care about the kids. And really I think as having, you know, having been the player and the coach, but especially having been the player, like you can feel it when they don't care. And if, you don't care about me, then it's going to be a lot harder for me to care about your program. Um, so I think, you know, I've never been an AD, but from that perspective, I think, you know, you have to care about your, your coaches as human beings and your players as human beings. And especially, you know, being at the, the high school, middle school level, whatever it is, you know, just keeping in mind that we, I, I love winning. I love competing. And I don't like when people kind of use that as a bad, like competition as a, as a bad word. Um, because we're, that's what sports are about is like trying to compete and get better. And, um, but also keeping in mind that, you know, the, most of these kids aren't going to go pro, pro in their sport, the vast, vast majority of them. So just keeping that balance of, and that's, I think part of what we're trying to help with in path is to go, we want to win. And I think these skills will help you win, but even more importantly, you know, as that kid is leaving your program, are they prepared for whatever's next for them? Are we preparing them in the best way to be the best possible humans that they can be? And if the if for some reason there's a trade-off between that and winning a game, I'm gonna take that every time. But I also think that you can build kids who are great humans who also try, you know, go try their best on the court and, and try to win because I don't think those are competing things. Um, and maybe the most important thing anybody ever told me was, uh, again, on, on the national team, we had a um, sports psychologist named Michael Gervais, who's fantastic, and, and everybody should check him out. But he taught us that the origin of the word compete is to strive together. And so it was never this antagonistic thing like, I want to destroy the other person. But when you get to the highest levels, you can feel that kind of respect for the other people in the game. You know, when I'm playing against Brazil, yeah, I want to beat them, but also the better they get, the more they're pushing us to be better. And so we're all kind of, we're all kind of, again, striving, striving together. And so I think that framing of competition has gone wrong, but, but yeah, so that's the third thing I would say is just caring about them as human beings and, and preparing them as best we can for, for their lives, whatever is going to come to them. Wow. Great, great stuff. And again, I'm, I might've noticed I was smiling, you know, when you said that I've used that strive together line many times. And again, I didn't invent it. I found it and, and have stolen it. Uh, but I've used that with parents. Uh, I've used that with, with kids and coaches uh, because that is what competition is all about. Okay. I, I just loved that when I very first time I saw it strive together and now yeah. I love it even more because you shared it. Okay. Yeah, I love it too. And you see it at the highest level. It's like we said, you know, we always think of, you know, the NBA teams going at it and these rivalries and like, they're all playing pickup together in the off season. You know, like we all are friends with each other. We go play against each other on the national team and beat up on each other and then go play together on pro teams overseas. Like again, the, at the highest level, it's just kind of respect and, and love for the other people who are playing the game. Yeah. 
Well, it's just great, great stuff. And again, appreciate you sharing today. One more time, um, the website for PATH and how to reach out and uh, pick your brain a little bit. Yeah, you can find the website at pathsports.org, P-A-T-H-sports.org. And you can find me at Cassidy at pathsports.org. Cassie Lickman, uh, All-American, academic, uh, international player, and now, you know, training, helping to uh, coach a new generation. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Appreciate it. To our listeners, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. And we appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD.